Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. This is a special Minnesota, I guess you could call it, episode of From the Ground Up. We have Dave Palumbo from Palumbo's Pythons and Boas, as well as Muscle Serpents University on YouTube. And um, a lot of you guys may know that Dave is hosting Southeast Carpet Fest. So, Dave, could you tell us a little bit about um, Southeast Carpet Fest and what you're getting ready to do there? I got to be honest with you, I'm a nervous wreck about this whole thing. Because everyone always tells me, oh, 12, 15 people come to Carpet Fest, and uh, this is the first year we're really having here. Uh, who knows who will show up. Now I'm hearing like 30 to 50 people. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know where we're going to put all the cars. You know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm panicking at this point, to be honest with you. I don't know how many people will be there. We, I have a separate building on my property, um, which is my, my RX muscle, um, which is like our, my bodybuilding and fitness media website uh, office, and also my species nutrition, which is my nutrition company where we sell protein powders and, and vitamins and stuff like that. That's my office. And then downstairs of that building is my snake room. So you know, it, it holds a lot of people. I hold courses there and stuff like that, but I, I've never, I don't know, I have no idea how many people will be there, but it, it should be fun. Uh, it's going to be on Saturday, obviously, February 10th. Um, I'm asking people if they can to Uber it, carpool to my house, because I don't know how much, I have a huge driveway, but I don't know how many cars it'll fit. And, and I live down kind of like a private road. That's because it's, you know, it's a lot of, um, I have a lot of property. But uh, we'll see. What, I, I, I'm sure it'll work out great. I'm excited. It's the first year. Like I said, I've never really held anything like this before, but I've done so much of these type of things for bodybuilding and, and fitness events over the year that I'm sure it's, it's pretty much the same, uh, it's the same formula, so to speak, and uh, I'm sure we'll have, we'll have a good time. Yeah, I think um, from all the other Carpet Fests I've been involved in or talked to people who have been involved in, it's really stressful up until you get there and then you have all the snake people around and everyone's playing with snakes and you get into conversations with people that you would have otherwise not known and I guess it all kind of goes away long enough to where you may host the one next year or down the road. So um, give us a little bit insight. If someone's looking to join you at Carpet Fest, um, who do they get in touch with and what are things to consider? I, I send everyone to Ian Bissell because I don't want anyone contacting me. <laughs> no, Ian Bissell is kind of like the brainchild of this whole thing. We have a, a Southeast Carpet Fest um, group on Facebook you can join. Or you can, uh, you can in, in, I guess you could say, uh, message him directly. And just, you got to RSVP. We got to know who's there because we're bringing food. We have people bringing all kinds of supplies and we have to know how many people are going to be there. You can't say, we can't know five or 50. There's a huge difference. So, uh, otherwise, we'll all just be, uh, you know, singing songs together. So uh, please RSVP before the weekend you know, so we know a final count. Ian and I are talking about, you know, the, what kind of food we're going to be catering. And I, I think we're going to do Italian. I think that's easier when we have a lot of people like that. And, you know, who knows? People might not even eat. They might want to just drink the whole time they're there, and that's fine. Like I said, and if you're going to drink it, definitely do it responsibly so you, you know, get in there and uh, go back to, you know, wherever you're going to be going after that. We don't want to see anyone get hurt. But uh, like I said, it should be great because I think it's a great when you whenever you have a meeting of people and ideas are exchanged. I think everyone goes home that much uh, more enlightened 
uh, that much better at what they're doing. And I, I think that that uh, I think it's a productive type of uh, as well as fun event. Awesome. So I want to kind of give all the listeners a little insight on who you are because you are hosting. If they go to Carver Fest, maybe right. they want a little background of whose house they're going over. So sure. how do you go from MPC IFBB pro bodybuilder to wow. someone who's into snakes? Well, I, I think snake keeping is a hobby for everyone. Bodybuilding is a hobby for a lot of people too. I, I was lucky enough to actually be able to make a living out of it. You know, I was in medical school, um, after college, I was in my third year of medical school. I was going to be, I had every intention of becoming a doctor. And I just became very disillusioned with the whole uh, way doctors went about treating symptoms and that rather than, you know, keeping people healthy. And I was always the health and I was bodybuilding at the time. I had just really got into it. I was a long distance runner, believe it or not, in college, very skinny, uh, purposely. I used to starve myself to be that skinny. And then I kind of took the opposite direction. I wanted to be huge. You know, I, I'm an extremist by nature, as we probably a lot of us are. And so I got into the whole bodybuilding thing, and I, and I so I became disillusioned with this this medical school thing. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take a year off. I had never quit or stopped or done, you know, stopped school at all. As a matter of fact, I was petrified to do it. But I said, you know what, I got to go with my instincts. I started bodybuilding like full time. I was, you know, doing the, the whole training people at the gym thing, and I uh, I was successful at it. I was good. I started making money. I started writing for a lot of magazines back in the '90s, you know, because no one really had my educational background, so it kind of worked to my advantage, and. That was kind of, you know, I kind of found my niche, so to speak. I competed for many years, made money, you know, doing that. Uh, endorsed a lot of other supplement companies. At some point when I stopped competing, I decided I wanted to have my own nutrition company and I wanted to cover the sport in my own way, which became the new way, which is online. Magazines became passe and and that brings me up to the current day. But what had happened was when I was, before I went to college, I was working at this um, pet store, you know, and, and I had been introduced to a couple of these guys and uh, who were into snakes. I would always been into like mammals and, and fish and stuff like that. And I said, and they said, oh, you got you to get into reptiles. And I didn't know anything about it, but I thought they were kind of cool. So I was seeing them in the store. So I went home that, that summer when I went off to college and I bought a Burmese python. And I, and I, it, over the you know four years I was at college, the thing got, you know, grew. And I wasn't really feeding it a ton, but it grew. And, you know, I eventually sold it off to someone. But And then I kind of got out of snakes when I got into bodybuilding. And I kind of just forgot about it. Uh, I'd been talking about it on the radio show. And a friend of mine said, hey, you know, I breed bull pythons. I'm going to bring you an egg in an incubator, a little incubator. And, and you can use that as your little pet project. And that was in 2010. I thought it was cool. By 2012, 13, I said, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go to a reptile show. And I really kind of like boas. I may want to get a boa. And my friend said, oh, I know this guy, Vin Russo. You know, he wrote the book, The, the Complete Boa, uh, the complete boa uh, Constrictor. You should really read the book. And I started reading the book. I bought it on Amazon. And I got hooked on boas. And I said, I tried to contact Vin. This guy had given me his email. You know, Vin doesn't let anyone come to his facility. And he was kind of a little, you know, standoffish with me on email. And he's like, well, you know, I'll be at the reptile show in White Plains. If you want to come by my, uh, my table, I'm like, whatever. This guy was kind of a little rude. I'm walking around. So I go to the reptile show to, to, to buy, a, you know, to, I was, you know, you can't go there and not buy a snake, right? You go there, I'm walking around. I was doing some video interviews with some people, you know, for my channel. And all of a sudden, I walk by this table and this guy goes to me, hey, I know you. And I look over and I see it's, uh, I see cutting edge herbs. Herps, herps, and I say, oh, that's Vin Russo's table. I said, that must be Vin Russo, because I didn't really kind of know what he looked like. And 
he said, I said, Oh, what do you follow bodybuilding? I figured he was like a bodybuilding, you know, fan. Cause at this point, you know, this is 2013 or so. And I'm like a pretty well-known bodybuilding, you know, personality. And he's like, no, no, I don't know anything about bodybuilding, but I know you. I said, how, how do you know me? He goes, we worked together at Petland Discounts in 1986. You had a Pontiac Grand Prix with T-tops. And I said, holy shit. Flashback all the way, you know, 30 years earlier. That was the pet store I worked in. He was the guy who got me into snakes. Him and another guy, this guy, Willie, they had long hair. They were like, you know, stoner guys, you know, into snakes and, and heavy metal guys didn't have any, you know, interest in school. And I had been friends with them. I went to that. I went over his house as a kid. I, you know, I, I knew his brother and they got me into snakes. And ironically, the circle was complete. And as soon as that friendship became, you know, solidified again, I went nuts and I bought a lot of ball pythons. I bought a lot of that ball was from him. And, and I got hooked as we all did on the hobby. And it was all because of Vin Russo. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. It's yeah, funny how stuff. things kind of loop around and oh, yeah. everything works out kind of when you're in the, yeah. the right place at the right time. Absolutely. But um, as far as snakes go, what are you working with now? You So you're hosting Carpet Fest, which is supposed to be about carpet pythons, right. even though we know it's more than that. But sure. you start out with boas. Where are you now in your collection? I, I actually, I, the first couple snakes, I got two uh, ball pythons, then I got a boa, okay? And then I went to the White Plains Reptile Show, and I actually bought two carpet pythons. And that's how I really got hooked on carpets. I bought two supernova, a pair of supernova jags. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're, uh, it's like a very white looking snake with a very like dark black, you know, tribal like patterning on them. And they're like almost ivory colored and when they're, when they're younger and they're, they're just gorgeous. And it comes from some uh, locality in, uh, supposedly in, in, in New Guinea, Papua New Guinea. And, uh, when they add the jag in there, I guess it kind of whitens them up a lot. And I've been trying to breed them actually since I bought them. I, uh, hopefully this year I can get something out of them, but they're, those hooked me on carpet pythons. You know, and then I got the jungle. Everyone has to get the jungle python. And then I started looking into more exotic ones. And I bought from Hesham, actually, I bought a pair uh, from Precision, a pair of doublehead snows. This was back in 2000, maybe 14. And I bred them last year, believe it or not. And I got one viable baby that, that was an albino. Um, the double, and the other ones just were not, it was just not a good clutch. So hopefully this year I'll get a, you know, a real good clutch of them. My carpet python breeding hasn't been that successful. I know everyone says they're easy, but I, maybe I don't cool them enough. But since I moved to Florida, it's really hard to get the temperatures low enough down here. You know, I got my AC cranking in the room, but sometimes I just don't know. I think that that, that could be uh, a problem. But last year I moved from New York to Florida, so I had my car, I had all my snakes out in my garage. So it, was, it wasn't a controlled environment. So I'm hoping this year, like I said, we'll get some better luck. I've also, I also have a couple, I really got into the olive pythons too at some point, I don't even, I guess a couple of years or two later, I, I ran into uh, Amir. He had a um, albine. I, let me flash forward to another story. I, I can tell, I got a lot of stories. I saw, I went to um, Australia to do a nutrition seminar and I knew I was going to be in the city. I was in the Sydney area and I knew that um, Peter Birch lived around there and I was fr I'm friends with Brian Barczyk. So uh, I said, hey, Brian, can you hook me up with, with Peter? I said, I'd love to go see his collection. I know he's not too far from Sydney. He's like, I, I said, uh, he's like, I don't know if he's gotten back from Africa yet. So he gave me Colin Schumarks, um, who uh, does printer cam with uh, Peter. And I actually made an appointment with him. I went and saw Peter, uh, excuse me, Colin's Blue Tongue Skin Collection. And he has some carpets and some, some cool stuff as well. And then Peter came home, like, as I was at 
Colin's house. And he's like, oh, Peter said, come over. So I, it was just like, a, I didn't even know the guy. He was so nice. He invited me to his house. They drove, so we drove, I got all my, my Australian friends. And they drove me all the way up to Peter Birch's. And we were there for like hours. And I saw his albino carpet python, excuse me, uh, albino olive pythons. I saw his whole collection, rough scales, you know, scrub pythons. I mean, the whole knobtail geckos, just awesome, awesome stuff from Australia. And I got to hold it, and, and I have videos. It's on my Muscle Surface University um, page if you guys want to see the videos of all the crazy stuff he has there. And so I got hooked on carpets, and I said, man, I, you know, you start thinking, how can I smuggle an albino olive python out of Australia? You make it those ridiculous, like, you know, things you're thinking about because i said i gotta have one of these and so amir i met a reptile i'm at the daytona breeder show and i see uh oh that summer and i see amir's got one like an like an like an olive uh, adult and i said where did this come from he's like who knows where it came from but we got it and you know we're it's for sale so i made a deal with him and i bought this big female and i i didn't have any mail so i had to find like males so i contacted a million people and i found out jeff hartwig who is a olympic pole vault breeds you know albino olive pythons in the United States, probably one of the few people. And I, I bought a, an albino male from him, and I bought a, a, a double, excuse me, a head albino male. I bought two from him. He gave me a deal. He said, you better off having two. This makes it easier to breed them. And, of course, uh, I tried to breed them the first year, even though they were a little on the small side. Didn't realize, not that, not no one really realizes it, but, you know, they, they eat their snake eaters, these, right. these olive pythons. And so... I had a problem. <laughs> the female killed my male, and I wound up getting another one for another double head, another head from him. And this time, I grew them for two years, so they were almost the same size as her. But she, this female, was still a very aggressive. And I actually contacted uh, Troy K from K Brothers, who I know is a top all python breeder in uh, Australia. And I said, "How the hell do you breed these things? This my female wants to eat my males." And he's like, "Don't feed the female for like four to six weeks." I'm like, isn't that going to make her hungry? Or he goes, no, it's going to get her. It's going to get that food scent off of her. I did that. And this year I've been getting, I have them in together. They haven't eaten each other. Uh, I've been, every once in a while, I'll put the, the second male in to try to get some combat going, which which I've done this uh, successfully. And uh, I think I got a lock the other day. I actually posted it on my Plumbos Python's and Bo's Facebook page. I got a lock. God willing, we might have albino and uh, had albino olive python babies this year. I don't know. You know, that getting locked doesn't guarantee everything, <laughs> as you know. No. But, uh, so I, yeah, I'm really hooked on the whole Australian thing. But I've also got very into the, because of Min Russo, the boas, and I and I'm obsessed with ball pythons. Not because I like them so much the way they look. I like I love the color combinations. To me, the trying to mix pattern and color is just like it, it's addictive you know it's uh, i was always very good with genetics when i was in med school and stuff like that i love that i got kind of gravitated toward that so for me that that that's the appeal with the ball pythons but i think the i think the, the australian pythons are really the coolest um but the bow you know morphs that are out now are starting to get really insane so i i, I got pretty into that and I, and I actually had four really lucky good litters this past year um with the bows so it's you know fine this was really the first year i really did a lot of you know got some good stuff you know it takes i started like four years ago so it takes you a good three years because i bought a lot of babies and grew them up myself uh and did it organically rather than try to buy adults right off the bat right <laughs> which i mean you're more successful usually that way yeah. anyway yeah. you end up getting the time back as far as you know True all problems with females and stuff i actually have uh olive from jeff and um oh, you do. Well, 
I love that snake, and I don't think people realize that if you're messing with an albino olive, um, how much that, how much of an investment that is to only have the male be eaten or something like that. That's uh, something that just absolutely yeah. would be a nightmare. I can't even think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, at least it's the female that really takes a long time to mature. I mean, my female is probably almost going to be eight years old now. So she, I mean, that's, if she would have died, I would have had a nervous breakdown because that would have been the end of the project. The males kind of can breed a little faster. The key with the males is to get them up to size so they don't get eaten. And no one told me this. And when I, when I told Jeff about this, he felt terrible. It had never happened to him. He said, I heard rumors that they can do that. But he really, and he felt bad. He gave me a very good deal. I didn't have to buy another one because I had a, I had one. But he said, you know what? I said, I want to have two because I, I had heard and I read a lot about combating them, you know, to get them to breed and everything. So he sent me on that. And, man, I fed that. These olives, you know, they'll eat anything you give them. I just fed them, like, really heavily. You know, not big meals, but, like, pretty much, you know, extra large rats as, as quickly as they would start eating them. And I give them one every single week. You know, I never missed a week with an actual, and the thing grew fast up to, got it up to size in about 18 months up to the female, at least where she couldn't eat this thing anymore. And I knew he could handle himself. And, uh, and my other one is still small because I didn't, I didn't eat, I didn't power feed that one. I just kept that one as kind of like my, my enticement to, to, to the female <laughs> and, uh, for the male, excuse me. And so I, I just, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm new to it. It's fun to w explore things and try things out and actually have them work. So if we get eggs, it'll be a, it'll be a, a tremendous celebration. That's for sure. Anyone who hasn't handled an olive python, as soon as you do, you'll buy one because it's, they got the smoothest skin because their scales are so tiny and soft and, I mean, the green, regular green ones are just as cool looking as the albino ones, I think. But the albinos are just like exquisite. I and mean, when you look at that head, it, it's like a dinosaur head only on a snake. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing for me, I love the look of when it's albino, it's going to be that pale yellow, yellow coloration everywhere. Got you it. know, there's no pattern to the to the olive no. python and you can't really find many patternless yellow giant snakes out there so no no not at all exactly but i i tried to i tried to feed my olive snakes before and she doesn't eat them so i don't think if we get to that point i don't <laughs> think she'll eat a male but no you don't even want to entice them with snakes don't even try to get her eat snakes that's, that's the, the bad bad uh, training right there because but this female was so aggressive this female was so nice i would take her out and hold her and you think she was the nicest snake. And then out of nowhere, and this I don't know if this ever happened to you, your hand could be out there and she'll just be like, look at your hand and just go, poof, bite it and her coil. And you can't get this snake off. You can do anything. I'd put her on the freezing cold water and the snake wouldn't let go. Out of nowhere. They just do it randomly. They're just weird. Now, the ones that I raised up from little snake, little olives, like the ones I got from Jeff, those never, I've never been bitten by those. Never, ever, not to say that they wouldn't do it, but I'm just saying I've never been bitten by them, ever. They've never even tried to take a bite of me. So I don't know. I don't know if it has something to do with, you know, handling or, or whatever, but um, I had good experiences with olives. I think they're the cool snakes. Like I said, they get really long, but they don't get too thick, so you can really handle them even when they're at 10 feet. Yeah. I mean, for me, mine came in the first six months. It was the worst snake I've ever had as far oh, as really? I walked past the enclosure. It bit the side of the tub every single time. But now it's super cool, but I also yeah. have that experience to where she will randomly bite me for no reason, even oh, though she's that. super yeah. calm. Yeah, they, they, they do that. Other people have told me the same thing. You don't even, and you never know when to expect it. They don't, they don't S up. They'll just look normal and then they'll just take a bite of your hand out of nowhere.
Right. Yeah, it's like a weird, they'll just move their head around, put it against your hand, and then open up and shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> awesome. So could you tell us a little bit about um, Southeast Carpet Fest and the auctions that are going on? Yeah, you know, they got, we collected all this stuff. Uh, I even put a voucher of myself in there um, to sell. And it's a silent auction. There's a link, I believe, on the Southeast uh, Carpet Fest uh, uh, Facebook page. And we're raising money for US Arc. You know, we raised $1,000 on t-shirt sales and we're raising more money. And I think it's a great cause. And, you know, we all want to give money to US Arc because we know that they're supporting and they're protecting our rights. This is a way to do it in a sense where you don't have to put up a tremendous amount but yet you can, everyone can give a little bit of something and that's going to expand by these auctions, uh, people buying these, these things on these auctions. And we're going to give a nice huge check to them. And I think that that's a great cause. So to me, um, we all got to give back something. You know, you right. can't be selfish. Uh, you can't expect the other guy to do it for you. So if we all give a little bit, it adds up to a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great items out there, whether it be like all the Corrales, the Amazon tree boas. Yeah, yeah. So there's a pretty nice list of stuff. And uh, you have things from Thai Park, if you guys are into iguana, cyclora, and just amazing animals and amazing products from legit people. There's yeah. not a slouch of no. just random people. It's Thai legit. Park, Thai Park actually lives about 20 minutes from me. I've never been to his facility. I'm, I intend to get over there at some point, but uh, that that's where they should have done the field trip after they left my, after they left my house. They're looking. Everyone was thinking, where can we go? They want to go to a zoo. I'm like, go to Thai Parks, man. Yeah. Let's like, run around the corner. Yeah, I know a lot of Carver Fest do a uh, zoo tour before yeah. or after or a little hangout. Something mm -hmm. like going to Thai Parks. I mean, that's good enough just for the trip sure. alone. Absolutely. Yeah, but that place looks amazing. I mean, South Florida is just overwhelming how many awesome people and awesome collections yeah. are down there. What, what made you make the move from New York to Florida? You know, my wife is from Cape Coral, Florida, and uh, when we had our son – we were up in New York and my father's older and then my mom's not around. So anyway, she, she died a long time ago. So we really had no one to help us with the baby and it was really tough and we wanted to have another one and her mom was down here and, and I'm like, it just, it was like that critical mass building. I'm from New York. I've been there my whole life. I have my business up there and it was a, I own two houses. It was a monumental task to do it, but I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's move. And I had nothing, to, I wasn't even thinking snakes at that point. And I had a lot. And I had to drive them all down in a truck and everything like that. But um, it turned out to actually be really good. First of all, I love the weather. It's super cheap down here compared to living in New York. Right. It doesn't matter where I sell nutritional supplements because it's, I'm going to, I don't have to be in New York to do that. I sell them all over the world, you know? So to me, it, it, it was just the hardest thing was coordinating the whole move and getting rid of my houses and then talking my dad into moving down here. And so uh, it was, uh, it was a monumental task that turned out to be great. And I'm so happy I made the move. And sometimes, you know, in life, you have to just say, what the F and, and go for it, you know? And uh, it's not so easy because, you know, you get really comfortable where you are, but Man, I'm not missing these cold winters all my friends are having up in New York, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. We're looking to move back up there. So I'm from New York. Oh. I live in Texas now. <laughs> and we're actually going to be moving probably to Pennsylvania because oh. uh, me and Mel Melissa's from New Orleans, but her family's in wow. North Carolina. My family's in New York. So mm -hmm. Pennsylvania's somewhere in the middle for us. Gotcha. So I may need some insight on how to move all my animals up there. I asked 100 people. I asked Brian Marchick and all the people with the big collections and my friend Mike from the Reptile Ranch. Florida Reptile Ranch. He moved from Arizona to Florida. And everyone had their own techniques. What I did was I luckily I moved around in like end of October. So it wasn't freezing cold in New York, but it was cold enough. 
but I figured if I can get out of New York with the, in the truck, you know, and head south, they really wouldn't be in, exposed to that much coolness for too long. So once I hit the Washington DC, I figured it would start getting warm again, which it did. So uh, I, my friend and I, and I, we rented this big truck. Everything else was moved with mover trucks, just the snakes. I rolled them in the racks. I didn't put them in any bags, nothing. In the racks, right into the back of the truck. I wedged everything against them. I had about, probably about 12 racks in there full of snakes, big ones, small ones, babies, everything in there. And we just drove 24 hours straight. It took me from New York to Cape Coral, Florida. When I got to the Cape Coral and I opened up the back of the truck, 20 snakes had gotten out. It was like snakes on a plane, only snakes on a truck. They were all over. My big olive pipe on the albino was, was, she was on the top of the truck. There was like a little wood, wood rail that went around it. She was loving it. And you know what? When all was said and done and all accounted for, I, 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 was, I lost one albino, um, what was it? I'm trying to think what it was. It was an albino zebra carpet python male. I almost wanted to kill myself. I, I'm convinced that the olive python ate it because there's no way it could have gotten out of the truck. There's no way. Everything else was there. I got all this, everything else accounted for, I didn't lose anything. Just that one was nowhere to be found. And, and you know, usually they pop up after a while if, if they're in, stuck in a rack or something like that. I'm convinced the all python had a nice snack when, he, when, when she got out and then she went on for her little stroll. Possibly um, she was totally unfazed. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it, was about a, it, was like a, it was like a $1,500 hit, but it wasn't so bad. It could have been a lot worse. I got all the snakes down there in one piece. So. Yeah, I mean, that's really the whole – you can really lose your whole collection. Oh, whether yeah, I've absolutely. had people – I've heard of people, their whole collection heating up in the back of a truck or something. So. Well, I knew – you know what the great thing was it, was? it was it was at the point in time in Florida where the temperatures really weren't going over 75 degrees. So I knew I was – or 80 degrees, I think, was the high. So I was like, you know what? There's no way they're going to be too hot back there. And I'm only going to be in, in Florida, and, and I timed it so I drove through Florida at night, so there wouldn't be any sun beating on the truck. It was it was very well thought out the whole thing, and it worked. Thank God, knock on wood, it worked out well. Right. I mean, the, the key is to keep on going, drive straight through. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was hallucinating at the end. I couldn't. Even, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. Keep, both my friend and I, we and we were trying to take naps. We, we just couldn't keep our eyes open toward the end. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're happy now. You're all settled. Yeah. And ready to absolutely host Carpet Fest. So, yeah. um, anything else you want to get out there before we uh, sign off here? No, I think it's just important that you know people understand. You know that you know. Um, I, we're there to have a good time, you know. Uh, I'm sure everyone will be very respectful of, you know, of, of the property and the collection, and everything. I'm gonna have no problems with that. But I, I think it's a great way to exchange ideas, and I think that, you know, don't be shy. I, I'm, I'm a talker. I just blab shit out. You know, offer your ideas up. Don't be afraid to, you know, talk about what you do. And no one's there to criticize or crit- critique you. Your technique. Matter of fact, I, I, when I heard Nick Mutton might come, I don't think he's going to come, but it, I was petrified from to see my collection. I figured he'd be like, "Oh, that's wrong, and this is wrong, and that's wrong." And and, I, and 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 in one way, I was I was scared, but at the same time, I was hoping I was going to get that critique, so maybe he would you know, help me out with some of the things I'm doing wrong. Um, but that's what we all make mistakes. You know, I hate when people. There's no perfect breeder out there. Everyone has respiratory infections. Everyone gets mites at some point or another. Uh, everyone has problems with their collection. And people are afraid to talk about that, and that, that's bold because you know what? That's going to help us all, you know, get through this and do this thing the right way. It's like nutrition, right? Set people up on a diet. No one knows what they're doing. No one knows how to eat right. Everyone tells me to eat perfectly, and then I sit them down and I go through their diets, and they're terrible. So, and that's not a crit. You know, that's just because no one teaches you this stuff. There's no there's no school to go to for this stuff. So, um, 
that's what we're going to. We're going to like a, a place where we can exchange ideas. And, you know, if you have great ideas or you have something that you do that's unique, offer it up, man. We all want to hear it. Awesome. That's so great. If you guys want to get in contact with Dave, message Ian, and then he doesn't have to <laughs> or, deal with you. Yeah, well, you can contact me at uh, Columbus Pythons Bows or through just my Dave Palumbo Facebook page is fine as well. Awesome. And YouTube at Muscle Serpents University. Absolutely. And, yep. um, we are at SpiceCityPythons.com. Subscribe to him. I know there's some people on the live chat, even though we are randomly talking in the middle of the day here. So thank you to those who are listening now. I know you're all really confused because it's just the middle of the day. And this is going to be like a little mini episode to try to get um, a little bit of promote, promotion for the Southeast Carpet Fest. We will have another podcast at 6 p.m. today, which this is the me on coffee edition and that will be at me <laughs> drinking beer edition so uh, amen <laughs> so that one that one will be extra fun because i gotta do two in one day and uh i look forward for you guys to come back uh later tonight and dave thank you so much for taking the You're time out and we will talk to you guys later <laughs>